Oh, we're live well. Welcome to the Architecture Social Show. This is the new intro. How does it look well? You uh, feel like pumped up? I, I, I saw it. I was like, whoa, what am I entering? You're entering the new era of the show. I am Stephen Drew. You are Will Ridgeway. And we have Tara, who's magically gone offline just before. Don't worry. She's got 10 seconds. 11. Hello everyone, I am Stephen Drew, head of architecture at McDonald Company, founder of the Architecture Social, but more importantly, I am here with Will Ridgway from McDonald Company, who has been frantically super busy on the architecture team as well. And we will be joined by Tara Cull. She has somehow managed to get the connection went wrong, Will, didn't it? But the yeah. show moves on and we will crack on in the short term. So today, what I thought we would talk about is we've talked about CVs, we've talked about portfolios, Will, but what we haven't really done is go into the nitty gritty of covering letters and introductory emails. Now, I made sure in specific to talk about introductory emails because I have a little bit of a feeling that do you really need like a cover letter anymore? Me and you are in one camp and we have as well. So Tara, she's here, she's back here. So Tara really believes in a traditional covering letter as well that's what it's all about horses for courses so tara first of all does your does your connection work now i don't know am i working am yeah i, yeah, I think you're working <laughs> your life we're alive so stay that's there good. don't touch the internet tell your family no no downloading hey it's all good we're all here we got that so tara as well for just before we jump in so it's important to say all of our backgrounds so i studied in architecture and in terms of the last six or seven years i've worked in recruitment i see people who send emails uh, with covering letters to me and introductory emails and will you tell everyone what you do for a living apart from working with me which is obviously amazing well, I, uh, well, I'm a recruiter and a specific, 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 oh my word, that was the worst. Specific. Specifically. I, um, yeah, specifically. Oh, Tara's an English teacher. Yeah. She can no. help you out with this. <laughs> you got a client after this, Tara. Uh, I specifically focus yes. on architecture <laughs> recruitment and uh, work with a variety of different clients with small, large practices, small practices, the lot. And uh, yes, yeah, so I've got a bit of experience and um, know and knowledge in covering letters, CVs and everything. So hopefully I can be of some help. Great. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, of course you can be help. My protege, I am always impressed. And hey, this week you've been super busy. And I've been helping a little bit, but the roles are reversed. So you definitely, definitely have all the skills there. So it'd be really valuable to have you here. So Tara, you felt so passionate about this. So here we are. Um, CVs and covering letters. Do you yes. want to explain a little bit about your background, what you do, and then how that ties in with covering letters and introductory emails specifically? Absolutely. So my background is actually in landscape architecture. So I worked as a landscape architect for probably about 15 years now. But what I do now is I work with architects who speak English as a second language. So I help them with their communication skills, with their writing skills. And so one thing that I do with them a lot is to help them for their job search. So I get a lot of covering letters. I get a lot of portfolios and a lot of CVs as well. And I have a look at them mm. and help them to uh, improve their job search opportunities mm, great so that's what all I right amazing there's a slight lag between us tara so when you finish your sentence give me one or two seconds but we will navigate it that's no problem we will not let that okay. stop us by any means so all right great so cv so cvs we've established they're important cover and letter now what's interesting is i used to think it, these documents were so important 
And they still are in terms of communication, and we'll talk about it as well. But I think a cover and letter, sometimes an introductory email, which is very specific, is, is sometimes all you need instead of a cover and letter. And Will will agree that as well, because uh, I know how we feel about it. The, I think like, a cover and letter is nice to have. But in terms of what we're talking about here, the point is using English to um, persuade someone to into, open up that document, open up that CV. It's the same kind of thing we're talking about, whether it's in an introductory email or a covering letter. And so we can bring up one or two examples later of a covering letter. But the thing that first comes to mind about this topic is that in an email and these covering letters, I've seen these massive intro emails which explain everything that the person's done throughout their career from, I don't know, starting in school all the way up to current. And that's the key thing, is that I find that people do not talk in the present. And so my view is that it's very it's very important when you're communicating what who who you are to the person reading that you also get over specific details which are literal which are present and and it's very important to try to invoke a reaction from it so to give you an example before we open up this discussion now rather than saying something like hello i am stephen drew i have here a cv and portfolio attached i'm super excited to do this i have so much interest in sustainability i've always wanted to be an architect since i was younger and when i was in university for a light drawing class and da 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 do you know what i mean it's just so this meandering conversation whereas the bits that i the successful covering letters and successful introductory emails i see have this kind of exciting uh, written english language which kind of wants me to open up the document so it's more like hi i am stephen drew uh, i am a part two architectural assistant based in central london I have three years of relevant work experience today based in the residential and commercial sectors. Passionate, enthusiastic, and I have two years of these. I was using Revit. I am available next week for an interview. Please see your CV, my CV and portfolio attached. If you have any questions, please get in touch or let me know when I can call you to discuss an interview. Question mark. Boom. That's my style, and I think that's a little bit more interesting and direct and hopefully persuasive than being a bit waffly. And I know that because when I was in school, all, and well, you, you will giggle about this, my English teacher always used to write on my things, capital L, waffly, right? <laughs> so I, I have it ingrained in my head not to waffle. This is though the first thing that came to mind when Tara, you suggested this topic. And as you suggested this topic, do you wanna kind of open up your thoughts on it? about uh, why you wanted to talk about this and a little bit about what you think is more successful and how to command the English language uh, to more success? in, a, in sure. a covering letter? Sure. So I guess when, when I receive cover letters, there's a couple of things that I see, common things that I see. And it's firstly, sometimes very generic cover letters come to me. When English right. is your second language, it's very difficult to know what to say. So the, the easiest thing to do is to find something on the internet, copy and paste it, and then send that as a cover letter. But Obviously, okay. that's, not, that's not really going to help you stand out, is it? So often I see things like uh, written with to whom it may concern or to dear or sir. And that, is, that might be the, the standard in some people's countries, but it doesn't necessarily work in an English-speaking country, I think. We need to be more <laughs> – we need to address the person, the name of the person – or at least if you don't know the name of the person, the hiring manager, something like that, not to whom it may concern or not to to dear, to sir or to madam. Okay, yeah. Now, you're breaking up So that's the one thing time. that I see, and I think what, what I often see too, 
Okay, can you, you, can, you can keep. Yeah, keep going. Keep go, Keep going. And then when you finish the sentence, say stop speaking, just so I understand. I don't can jump in, me? but otherwise it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> just keep going. Okay. Um, so that's that's the number one thing that I see with with letters, and also I think what I don't tend to see enough, particularly if English is their second language, or they've come from somewhere else other than mission between their culture or the experience that they've had where they've come from or that special thing about them that is important for what they're trying to what value they're trying to bring into the the company so what they're trying to add um, in terms of their maybe they have European experience and they want to bring that to the US or that sort of thing so I tend to see that a lot as well so when when it's very generic it's it just doesn't stand out and I think when you're trying to stand out, it's it's better to try and find a point of difference than to than to just go for the safe option, which might be mm. to have a standard template and then put the standard template in. So that's that's what I see a lot, and I think you know I really want to encourage people to try and bring some of their personality, some of their experience from overseas, their international experience. And it doesn't necessarily always come through, if that makes sense. So I'm done speaking. I feel like I'm in Clubhouse right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much like Clubhouse. But actually, it's. And I think in this, when you, we've got a bit of lag, Tara, it's great because I don't want to cut you off mid-sentence. And there was a lot of good stuff in there. And I love what you said because it's interesting because you're right. I do see these templates pop up. And Will, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on this as well, specifically with templates. But when me and you were in the office... It's true. When I see dear sir and madam, I kind of gloss past it because it's like this robotic formulaic thing. And it's interesting, Tara, what you're talking about in terms of these templates for covering letters with the address and the dear sirs and, you know, all this formality. And I think that, yeah, you can get kind of stuck in that. And that's really not what it's about. My thoughts are, and you tell me, well, how you feel about this. But rather than going to a standard status quo of what is a covering letter, and I need to have a covering letter with the DSRs and Madame, you have to think about what the covering letter and see uh, a covering letter and introductory email's purpose is. And in my opinion, it's kind of in to entice the person to go through the CV and the portfolio and it yeah a successful covering letter if it's kind of um brisk and you can kind of go through it and you get excited then fantastic it serves its purpose but if i'm kind of half falling asleep during this covering letter then my issue with it is that it's going to stop the person who's looking at the the c the application because they're going to get bored well, what's your thoughts here? Do you do you think that covering letters are important, first of all, or do you think that um, the email is more important? Well, I think, to me, covering letters aren't important. But I know to many employers that hire, sometimes it is. You know, a lot yeah. of people do like covering letters. And so, yeah. you know, I can't just completely disregard them because I know mm. people do read and enjoy reading through them my point of view is a covering letter in a traditional sense where you've got a separate document uh, alongside your cv is there to potentially i guess expand a little bit further than what the cv has already stated cv has the core information you don't yeah. and you don't particularly want to go into too much detail um about like the entire history you want to hit the specific points whereas a covering letter can expand a little bit further and i see it as more of a supporting document whereas in an email format if you you're using if you're emailing and you're you want to put a paragraph in that's an enticement that's enticing people to read because i'll read for it and particularly as well if it's addressed to me it actually gets my attention yeah. if someone says dear mr ridgeway or dear will um i immediately uh, pay attention to it and I will read through it. But what I would say is that some people do make the mistake of making it too long. I think um, you don't particularly want to go beyond more than 
two paragraphs, I think. Um, yeah. Ideally, less than that because my attention span is a little bit short when it comes to reading. Reading. Um, it can't be shorter essays. than mine, Will, so don't worry. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. And it's because I, generally for me, whenever I get an application, I go straight to the CV. But it is quite nice to have that, um, that body of text uh, there so that you can understand who's applying exactly what stage their career at and what they're looking for as well because mm. sometimes it's a little bit difficult to explain what you're looking for in a cv and that's mm. where it's quite important in a covering letter to explain you know i love sustainability i've been doing a lot of projects about sustainability at university i volunteered for this group and it's something that I am keen to bring to my next practice. And that's quite helpful, whereas you don't generally see that. You're not a, there's not really an option really to put that in a CV unless you put it in the personal profile bit at the top, which I generally don't think you want to spend yeah. too much time on. It's interesting because I like what you're saying there, but then I worry like you can go off in sustainability waffle and there's that constant balance. I think like to put it in is important. So to what will, I think you raise a good point then and we'll get your thoughts on this in the second Tara. Your internet's looking better as well. So I'm hopeful it's going to be a bit easier. Yeah, you go. I'm feeling more confident now. Um, but basically we've got a client that loves sustainability. And when me and will present uh, candidates for the role at this client we do that bit and actually it's interesting because a part large part of what, our, what me and will do in terms of our job is that we write these co these covering letters per se but from our perspective of why someone should get a job and it's very different because what we do is we kind of distill the essence of the person and talk about what we think is relevant to that company. So if a company has Archicad and they're interested in sustainability, obviously we can't say it if the person, if the person doesn't care about sustainability, we can't say it, right? But if they do, we put that to the top. We will go, dear client, or hello client, good morning client, please find attached Joe Blogs, a great architect with post three years uh, qualification experience, running residential projects, Rebot one to six, and then we'll also talk about this person's used Archicad, this person's used Revit, this person is looking for in the next role to keep being sustainable in terms of the example, but more importantly, they're looking for somewhere where they can grow their career. The notice period is one month, looking for a salary around 46,000. That's the behind the scenes of recruitment. So for anyone who thinks that they wants to know the mystery, that's what we do. And what's interesting is it's essential we do that because a lot of covering letters, Tara, are like you said, and as Will touched upon, big. And what we and and what our role is is to distill down what is relevant for the role and what's gonna grab the employer's attention. Because half the time they're busy. That's why we're brought on to do recruitment. I mean, right now it's a bit bonkers because of the pandemic as I work there. And that's why Will's very busy and very stressed. And I seem a little bit more relaxed, but that's probably just because I've been bashed over the years and I'm used to, it either goes one way, there'll be too many roles and not enough people, or we have the other problem where there's no roles and we've got lots of people. And but in both of these scenarios, though, when there's job shortages or there's loads of jobs, uh, it's really important to do this exercise. And so actually what's interesting is if if someone or anyone's listening here is looking to apply for a job. And if you think about it in terms of that uh, ideology, I think that you can have a lot of success. So think about it on the company that has put the job up. Why are they looking for the job? If they haven't put the job up yet, why would you be a good fit? And if you write an introductory email, which is to the point and ticks off all those boxes and gets in there, it explains your motive. It explains who you are, what you're doing, where you want to go and when you want to go there. If you get across the who, what, where, when, why quickly in the email and then in the cover and letter, maybe you do the same, but you expand on it slightly. I guarantee, in my professional opinion, they're much more likely to go in your CV and portfolio. Whereas if it's harder to decrypt what you do 
in that email and cover and letter, it could detract. Now, what is interesting, Tara, it loops back to what you said earlier about, I think that standard templates is, it is such a weird no-no because when I get them and Will gets them, there's something weird in your brain. And Will, you help me out here when I do it. What I'm trying to explain it is that if I see a template that I feel I've seen before, I am sort of disengaged before I get going. And then me and Will will go through it because that's our job to filter through this. However, if you think about a busy client and if they see, as you said, Tara, the DSRs, the madams and this big, long meandering, um, a meandering letter, which doesn't say why you're looking or doesn't explain who you're about. It's kind of like, oh, okay. And then I think you're losing their interest. So, all right, Tara, I loved before then. Let's just check quickly. See how quick Am you I get this. Working? Am I working? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're kind of working. All right, cool. We're still going to do the clubhouse etiquette so I know when you finished okay. in case it drops off. Works okay. well though, doesn't it? But maybe, it so, do you want to kind of expand on that? And maybe what I like from before is because you literally have a few tips from before. So the first one that you mentioned was can't you want to go away from the standard DSRs, madams, and templates? Is there any advice um, you would give people as well when they're writing the CV, as, sorry, the covering letter? and introductory email. So we get tips from you, then we'll get tips from me and we'll get tips from Will and we'll kind of go that way. But Tara, the the floor is yours. Thanks. Okay, I'll take it away clubhouse style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I like what you were saying about with the, e- so the email is like a taste of who you are. It's, it's to get people in. And so for me, the cover letter, you can put everything in the email. So the cover letter, the, your CV and then your short portfolio and they can choose after, after reading that email if they want to, to read your cover letter to expand on it further. So you've only got a short paragraph to do that. So some things that I see too are lots of spelling mistakes and errors and I think straight away, as you and I have spoken about before, that Oof. means it goes straight to the end. So Grammarly is great. I think even if English is your second language, people are not very forgiving when it comes to uh, grammar and spelling mistakes. So it's so important that you check that. And I, I say that even if people are sending it to me, make sure you check it before you send it to me because uh, you might accidentally save over the top of it or something. So you need to be vigilant at every stage, I think. Um, the other thing is too, you, as you were saying, you only have a short amount of time to get somebody's attention. And what I tend to see is a, re- a repetition of the CV. So it's just, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. But it needs to be somehow different. So it needs to be like uh, what we would say, like an attention-grabbing line. Also, I think solving, solving, solving the company's problems. So what are, the, what are the challenges that they are trying to overcome? How can, you, how can you say that and tell them that in the cover letter? And that another thing that I think is important for the people that I work with too is some of them have, have a visa um, challenge or something mm. to do with their visa. So they, they need to, um, to say that in their letter or in their email and somehow explain that it's not going to be a problem or it's okay or sometimes I'm working with people who are in the process of transferring over their visa or they need a sponsor. And so they need to to somehow communicate that. And so I think it's important to be upfront, explain what what it is, what's happening with your visa, and and how you you know you're going to help them in the process of the to solve the problems. Um, so that's kind of going away from the tips. But yeah, I think Grammarly is a big one, which I'm, I've heard you say n- numerous times. I think it's really important to check the grammar, um, and also that the very first paragraph. I think it's super important. It's just how people connect with you and know exactly what what it is that you're looking for and, and what's that wow factor. I always try and get my students to think about what does their experience outside of um, their, their different cultural experience, what does that bring as, as an up – it's like an upsell, I guess, mm. because 
that's a unique perspective. So I try and get them to talk about that in their, their first paragraph at least. So, um, yeah, they would be my number one, my biggest tips with the cover letter. And, and I'm done speaking. <laughs> amazing, amazing. That's so cool. All right, I love that. I think, well, we mean you've got a hard job because Tara really, like, smashed that, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> have I got, like, a sound for it as well? You... You totally just bashed it out of the park. Grammarly, amazing. You're right. We've got a colleague called Stephen Glantz who his pet peeve is um, is uh, spelling mistakes. And for me, it, it's that I can get past them. But the point is, will the client feel the same way? And actually, if you think about a CV portfolio and a covering letter is one of the most important documents. It is the most important documents because you're actually talking about your life yourself your career and you, your life is a pitch there's a book called that well it's a really great book to for put on your i'll put it on your you know your socking list or whatever get you the book for christmas but life's a pitch and i think with that attitude you do need to persuade people isn't it the whole goal is to say give me the chance to come in for an interview and that's what the document that's what the covering letter is and i think that it's got to stay that at its core and i do think spelling mistakes completely do detract from that i've seen so many clients i've the md of a large architectural practice that you're working with now will i know that his bugbear is um spelling mistakes because i would go for client lunches and he's like can you believe the spelling mistakes are there and it is super detracting so i completely agree with you tara now i could well i can you i can be the last one to go because i'll have nothing to talk about but is there anything that pops to mind don't worry about talking too long or anything i know tara covered a lot of our points there is there anything that you think about what we the cv you're currently going through so many uh, covering letters at the moment what stands out to you as like uh, big no-nos or what do you think is that you've seen that's worked really well in an introductory email as well i think um sometimes the flow of the covering letter can be yeah. a big no-no and when i talk about flow it's basically the sentence structure so for me mm. for example i know i sometimes have a bit of a problem where i make my sentences a little bit too long and mm. it just goes on forever and then i have to look back at it and split it up and i think it's it can it can be really distracting if the sentences are all the same length so for example if they're all short you go i am an architectural system part two i use revit i worked on a residential commercial scheme i worked on stages three to four yeah it's it can be a little bit robotic and the same on the other end as well, the long sentences, then you can also, it can just be really, you know, un uninspiring. Yeah, waffling. Yeah. So it's best to uh, break up the sentences. If you find yourself you're making a long sentence, it's a bit long, um, split it up. You know, it's, it's okay to have multiple sentences, um, short sentences, long sentences, mix it up. It makes it more interesting to read. And what I would say as well, which kind of aligns a little bit to what um, Tara was saying, is is it's best to read it out loud to yourself to see if yeah. it actually flows, it makes sense. Get someone else to look at it for you as well because whilst Grammarly is good, um, you're still relying upon a software to pick things up for you. You know, At the end of the day, it's best you make sure that it, what it's picking up is best as well. So you know, if Grammarly says there's nothing wrong there, amazing, but check it through yourself by reading it out loud. Let someone else read it uh, to you as well to see if it sounds fine and that's what i would mainly focus on but short punchy for me is more important than a big wall of text as well and talking about wall of text paragraphs as well so if you're doing if you're going to put a lot of information in put some paragraphs in so that it it doesn't look like a mountain to climb when you open up the document amazing ah, damn i'm regretting going last now there's nothing, there's nothing left i feel like you guys have nailed it um the bit that i was this is like a, a kind of a thought that i have at the moment is and and me and will kind of talk about it i i don't necessarily apply it to covering letters myself but i think that it could be applied there and especially in, in, in an introductory email so whenever in the past especially when i've been a part one and part two you're almost going to feel privileged for the opportunity of a job. So you're naturally going to be very subservient. And so where I'm going with this is it's like 
please, if you have a spare moment, can you have a look, if possible at all? Maybe, if, if, if it's okay, can you open up the CV and portfolio, please, if that's all right. And, and we all do that. My problem is with that, though, is that you are kind of, and it, there's a level of being polite, what that does, though, is that it kind of de-escalates the scenario. And I, I, I think there's a power in persuasive language. And there's a difference between being bossy and pushy. But there's also, uh, I think, a power in having an action in there and having a bit of momentum. So a bit like what Will was talking about earlier in terms of structuring things. If you set the scene off, I am this, who, what, where, when, and now, and the keyword is now. And then you, so at the end of this, you say like, I am looking immediately. Um, I am going to go through this search and I've selected you as a practice because I'm super interested in it. Can we meet next week? I would love to show you my CV and portfolio in person. Uh, when would work for you? Super excited to hear from you. Okay. When would work for you? Question mark. And this is where I go with Will. Years ago, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, that is so rude. You can't do that. What I've seen though in this job though, that is so powerful because the person reading it will feel like there's an action here. I need to answer that sort of. Why not? It'd be rude for me not to because they're programmed that way, isn't it? To be like, oh gosh, I got to reply to this. And then hopefully, as long as the CV and portfolio, you have the goods in there. I think that's really powerful. And that's what I wanted to talk about when in this subject, because using English language as a way to persuade people to get you an interview, I think there's a real power in that kind of action. And when I say it's not a bullish way, but it's also not meek. It's not that please, thank you. So I used to do that all the time where I'd write in emails away. I'd say one or two things and then I'd say, I look forward to hearing from you, full stop. And you almost think like, that's a really good way to get people's attention, but it's not, it's not at all. Because when you've put that full stop in, to me, you've kind of closed it or you say, hope to hear from you soon, hope. It's like living on a prayer, hope. The hope doesn't do good. And I think that the question marks have a lot more power. Now, if you've got, if you believe in yourself and you can offer value, to ask for an action is not unreasonable. There's a difference between asking and then there's a difference from like asking, then calling up 10 minutes later, calling up two minutes later and being bossy or being demanding because you can make the tone the tone polite but there's also a scarcity with it you're looking now you have this skill set now you're really interested in that practice you've reached out to them and you've put an action in i can't wait to see what you think of the cv and portfolio when would be a great time for me to come in in person and have a chat with you question mark Ooh, when i say it i feel like oh it's a bit daring the he who dares win sometimes, right? He, she, totally. you know what I mean. Every, we all can do it. And what, when I say this, though, I never felt that way before. It would feel impolite. So if we can get past that barrier, I think that you can make the English language written like that very powerful. But so Tara, okay, over to you Clubhouse style. I think your internet's getting better, but just in case... How do you feel about, yeah, how do you feel about what we talked about there? Persuasive language and questions and open as sentence structures with mm. asking the reader for actions from your perspective. I would love to know what you think. Yeah, I love what Will was saying. I would absolutely agree with that. So the, the short sentences where you're just doing the same sentences, I see a lot of that as well. And I think that's, really important. I love the question marks. I think that's like a call to action. It's very marketing sort of style of doing things. And I like how, for example, one thing I try to get people to do is to say something and tell them what it taught them or to bring an insight. And that's how you make your sentences longer. So for example, I was a part three and I learned this, or for example, just to make the sentence longer. So I think that's a good way to to show that you're kind of taking it a bit further and you're, and you're showing that you're proactive. 
And the question, as you were saying, it's very proactive to to ask a question, get them to respond and kind of make them feel like they want to respond to you and, and connect with you. One question I do have too, though, which I was thinking as we were talking, what about when you are cold, cold emailing or you're cold giving in a cover letter? How does that change things? I think maybe it, in my opinion, you have to be a little bit more daring. You have to be like what you're saying. You have to be a bit more daring and kind of put yourself out there. And so the language might change a little bit because you're not responding to a job now. You are actually saying, I really want to work for you. Do you have any opportunities? I would love to take you up on any opportunities or I would love to go and, and have a coffee with you and show you my portfolio. So it slightly changes things a bit. Do you have anything, I guess, to, to say to that and how does it change? How does it change? What do you mean, Tara? Give me a little bit more there. What do you mean? So in terms of how does it change when you, if you're applying for a job that's advertised? Right, speculatively. Mm. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, right. I think personally, then it's more about you need to relate to that company. So if there's not quote unquote a job out there and just while we're on that subject, most of the jobs in architecture are unadvertised. 80% of them. Me and Will know this is what our whole job is. We have one client we were we were talking about yesterday because we have about seven roles from them and their website does not have one job on there. <laughs> so so I think that to answer your question, Tara, it's all about being relatable and I would emphasize that. And think about it as well. Do not be shy when you do this because the fact that you're sending your details across to them is great because if someone then has an architectural practice, has a job opening, you're sitting there in the inbox ready to go. So you should have, before you're writing this, you should feel in your head that don't, do not feel like, again, like you're bothering someone, like, excuse me, please, be loud and proud, be loud and proud. And I think that what I would do is, and what I have done in the past when I've done a speculative, a speculative application is, the the best example, when I was a part one, I sent my CV to everywhere in 2009. And in that case, because I sent so many, I, I was a little bit general, but I tried to keep it relatable as possible. I mentioned my microstation, I mentioned my software, I mentioned that I was a part one. But further in your career, when you get more specific, say now I really wanted to work at Heatherwick Studios, I would, first of all, look at current news then, you know, so I would say, I have seen uh, you know, in the latest article on design, you know, I really love uh, he Thomas Heatherwick, the Bombay Sapphire building, super inspiring. On that note, I am applying to you in particular because I really want to work with you. I I know Revit and in the Bombay Sapphire uh, Distillery Museum, I've worked on other cultural buildings. I've worked on a museum in London and therefore I b believe I would be a great fit. I'm really excited to work from you. I'm looking at the moment. I'm on Monday's notice. I can interview next week. Something like that. So I would, whenever there's not a specific role, you need to, to show why you are relevant and why you are interested. And so anything online, anything that's going to be conversational, but not too long, I think that's the balance yeah. is going to be key. So think of it like a hook, you know, you want to hook them in. So you're going to be like, why are you applying to me? Well, you're like, well, I really like your projects, right? Okay. But why would you fit in here? Okay. Well, I've worked on residential and commercial, which you have. I know Revit and I am here in my career. I am looking for more responsibility. I'm looking to take the next step. Oh, okay, cool. And I think that if you do that, that tone speculatively, it's going to work. What was I going to say? I think we've got a comment. Oh, here we go. Great advice, Stephen. Oh, thanks, Johanna. <laughs> oh, that's nice, isn't it? Well, anyone, anyone listening, if you have any questions for us, please fire away. I think what we, we will do is, well, maybe we can answer Tara's question as well. What would you do about doing something speculatively? And then... Tara, after Will's gone through that, maybe let us know if there's one or two things in particular that you wanted to talk about. I think we've covered a lot, but then if, yeah. if we don't have any more, what we can each do is our own summary piece and we can, we can call it a day on there because covering letters and introductory emails, I think it's 
a nice short punchy topic so well spec if someone's writing um a cve portfolio and they need to do a if they want to do a cover and letter or an introductory email to a company that hasn't got a job uh advertised what would you do um i'll be honest it's, it's somewhat similar to what you did say steve um mm. in the sense that you you do want to keep it short and sweet straight to the point um but it's very important like you said to focus on what you can bring to them you know yeah. it's all well and good you knowing about what they've done great you can read that that's fine they already know what they, they're doing as well so that's no news to them but what can you bring to the table whether it's because whether it's the software they use maybe you've got you know they use Revit and you've got five six years of Revit experience that you can bring to the table um, maybe it's because you've worked on a similar project in terms of sector the size and the location as well um, and even maybe maybe um, a similar client although sometimes it's a bit um difficult in terms of um sometimes there's clauses where you can't do that but regardless what can you bring to them why are you of value to them and it's very important to try and get that across in a short punchy way um that's easy to just immediately think great we want to look at their cv we want to invite them in for an interview um additionally as well you um i was gonna say oh no it's just it's got, it's Don't got worry. Go leave it there. Leave it. Leave it when you're done. Well, well, well done. Well, that was good. You deserve a applause. That was good. I think the key thing there, you you hit the nail on the head. Why are they? Why are you relevant to them? Because you're right. I can talk about the current project briefly, but that brief little bit, you need to follow up with the goods. On that yeah. note, I've done museums myself. I really want to do museums with you, and I think that's really interesting. So Noor has said a question here, and it goes. This is very interesting. Sometimes when I really like the job offer, I start my cover and letter. Dear hire manager, take a risk, hire me. Is that too much? Oh, I kind of like it. But I, I would say, dear hiring manager, that's the bit where I think what we've got to do is get rid of the hiring manager bit. Let's get rid of that. And you would put in dear Thomas at Heavenwick, yeah. right? Or, or like, yeah, dear Will Ridgeway. I love your work. I know we do not know each other. However, have a look at my CV and portfolio. I have the Revit. I have the, the museums. Okay, it's all there. Check my CV and portfolio. I'm free next week. I'm serious about moving. And I would love to speak to you. If there's a time next week I can come in, I will be there. When would work for you? All right. So I've kind of, what I've done is I built upon Noor's Example so the the framework there because I like that take a risk hire me thing but maybe say when do you have an opening for us to yep. meet because yeah. it's in 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 the present in in the room you get the job not on the paper I've never seen someone get a job from just a CV and portfolio online well you look like you have a thought there what yeah. do you think. I, I like the punchiness. I do really like it. My only concern is that, um, you know, I, I understand the point across of, um, of making it really interesting. It does make you stand out. But saying the word take a risk makes it sound like you're a risk. And, ah, uh, and it's that sort of language that sticks it unconsciously, sticks in the head thinking, okay, why, why are you a risk to hire? Instead of saying it like that, maybe what you said, Steve, is just say what you can bring to the table why are you worth considering you know and it, it immediately think about that it's a, it's something short it might not matter to a lot of people but it's just in case sometimes you some when people read like negative words it sometimes puts a perception of, of ah. a negative perception accidentally um so it's worth considering it might work i like it myself um but you've got to be careful sometimes with your choice of the english language in case you accidentally put that image in the person who's reading head. Mm. Whoa. Well, well Love said that. Exactly what I was thinking, Will. Really good. Brilliant. I think one thing, to, it's, it's one thing that you see, for example, when you say don't hesitate to reach out. Actually what you're telling them is hesitate to reach out because mm. I don't want you to reach out. So I can't wait to hear from you or that sort of thing. So 
trying to make it more positive, I think is a good way. And that's what I tell people as well is to not see your limitations as a negative thing and try to turn them into a positive, which I think is really good way of looking at it. Absolutely. I think um, something that Stephen's taught me as well is that when you talk, when you put writing emails, don't use the word, but because it creates a negative connotation to it. And so like, Whenever I write emails, I try to avoid using the word but or however. I mean, a bit difficult with however, but trying to remove any sense that there's a negative in there. Use positive language, and that generally helps, I think. Brilliant. All right. Amazing. Well, I tell you what, I think that that was a great example. And so Noor is following up. So that makes a lot of sense. I did actually think about that. Thank you, though. Well done, Noor. You're on the same wavelength. So on that note, we've had some really great, interesting questions. If anyone's got a quick question to add, now do that while we do the little wrap-up. Other than that, what I think we'll do is shut down in one or two more minutes. Um, well, you have, we've had a really easy ride during the messages. Me and Tara, has, now that we're on Twitch, we have seen some crazy messages in the past. <laughs> but <Really>? nothing, <laughs> well, you know the gaming community well, the Thank gaming gosh. community on Twitch. It can, be rough, it can be a rough ride. But thank you, Noel and Johanna uh, for that. I really, really appreciate it. So on that note, okay, so we'll have a little bit of a summary. What I was going to say, though, is that this episode is recorded. It will go onto the YouTube channel. And what you were saying there about, you know, using the words buts and howevers, uh, actually, me and uh, Tara did a great episode, I believe, with Emma, wasn't it, before, where we talked about that. And it was really interesting, well, because during it, I was so... Uh, we were talking about saying those filler words. And then when you're live on the stream doing it, it was really <laughs> discombobulating in the brain. But we have all of them there. And on that note, what I was going to say is that Tara actually has her own group in the Architecture Social, specifically called Archie English. And we talk about these subjects in detail. And it's probably a good time to talk about it, Tara, but me and you are launching a free course on we the architecture are, social exciting. yeah oh my gosh we gotta do like a like a where's your exciting music <laughs> i don't know i see i've got the gaming one up hey that's quite exciting music isn't it free course how about that the gift that keeps on giving tara and Aki english on the architecture social so join the community now it's completely free so it's completely free get involved get in the conversation and there's some cool stuff on the way we will i think we'll launch that we'll have a chat about it today won't we tara about launching the free course for everyone this will be in there as well and on that note now we'll do a little bit of a summary so the bit that i want everyone to think about is that uh, as a thought my suggestion is in the persuasive language i want everyone to think about being a little bit gutsy and putting the question in there to try and get an action. As Tara said, it's a little bit about marketing, but you're marketing yourself in this and you have to think about what this is. You are introducing yourself. You are trying to get them, the person reading, to get you that interview. So my final thought is have a think about persuasive language and question marks and being a little bit daring. And and I think he who dares wins. So, well, that's my thought to end on. What was your thought? Would it be spelling? Would it be what? What's the main thing that really is your bugbear that you've mentioned today? Your number one takeaway for the audience. Uh, no wall of text, please. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> um, short and sweet, punchy. That's what I would say. Keep it, yeah, short and sweet. Short and sweet, short and sweet. So we go with me, persuasive, use persuasive language, Keep it short and sweet. And Tara, what are your final thoughts on the one takeaway you would like people to use for introductory emails and covering theirs? Well, everything that you've both said, but also I think positive language is a good one. So ah. try and see your your negative things into a positive light. And I think that there was a, the good example of the dear, dear hiring manager. If you don't know the name of somebody, then pick up the phone and give them a call and see who it is that you need to, to make out the cover letter to, see if you can find out the name. I think that's really, really important. One thing I was saying to somebody the other day actually is because a lot of the people that I work with too are really afraid to pick up the phone and call. 
I said, well, just call some random office in a state or place that you don't think that you will apply for a job and just pretend you're looking for a job to give yourself that practice of actually calling the real place that you want to call. So look for opportunities to to do the things that are difficult for you, like picking up the phone, because mm. it doesn't need to be complex, just make it simple. So that would be I, my I, parting words. Yeah, I agree. We had one quick question at the end from Geraldo, which says, if you could not attend the interview, how would you suggest to write it in a cover letter? Well, my thing is a little bit like what you said at the start, Tara, you need to be really upfront with stuff like visas and difficulties. So you need to say in this sentence, I would say you have to say that you're available to interview on Zoom. You need to make it somewhat easy for the employer, because if it's difficult to interview you, you're going to go to the bottom <laughs> of the the bottom of the thing. Unfortunately, you don't want to be at the bottom. You want to be at the top. You want to be at the top. Oh, I'm loving this retro um, thing, isn't it? Well, here we go. OK. All right. On this note, then, Legend of Zelda, CVs. Forget CVs. We were talking about cabin letters <laughs> and introductory emails. I think that's great. Thank you, everyone, who's joined us. I will leave it there. Thank you, Will Ridgway, who is on the architecture team at McDonald Company. Thank you so much, Will. Let's get a clap for you. Absolutely brilliant thoughts there. Really appreciate making your time at your busy day to join us on lunch. We've got Tara Kalanaki English as well, as always. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And check out our course as well. And I am Stephen Drew at McDonald Company, and I run the Architecture Social as well. So come on, come on, join the community. Thank you all. I'll end the stream now. Tara will stay on the line for just one minute, and everyone in the audience, we will probably see you next week. Okay? Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.